welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 16th of January 2011, entitled, All Your Needs Supplied, and the Bible reading is taken from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 19. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We'd like to open your Bibles for our scripture reading this evening, the book of Philippians chapter 4. I invite you to stand with us to honor the reading of God's holy word, beginning in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. The word of God says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, Rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content." I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, When I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Our Father and our God, we thank you again this evening, Lord, for the privilege to be in your house, for each one that is here, your word that we have before us that we've just read, for your spirit that lives and dwells within. Father, for reaching down one day by your marvelous grace and saving our wretched soul. And Father, as we gather here this evening, we thank you, Lord, for the confidence of knowing that you are right here with us. Father, that you know our hearts better than we know ourselves, that you know every need that is here this evening. And Father, we pray that you would speak to each heart that which they need to hear, and, Lord, that the hearts would be receptive to receive that which you have for them. For it's in Christ's precious 
and holy name I pray, amen and amen. Well, if you were here this morning, I shared that for whatever reason, the Lord had taken me in a slightly different direction today. And of course, that direction really, in my own heart, being burdened, knowing. Yes, many of those that were here this morning and those again of you here this evening, I know that many of you have been coming through some tough times, some valleys, carrying some heavy burdens, going through some struggles and all of these things. And the sermon this morning and this evening is really meant to encourage you. I trust and pray as we looked this morning at Gideon and as he was commanded to go in this thy might, that it would encourage you, that it would challenge you, first of all, that you need to go forth, but that you go in the might that can only be yours in the Lord. But as we look this evening, I want us to look here at this message that the Apostle Paul was writing in this letter, the church at Philippi. And as he was writing to them, of course, we've read, but I want us to direct our attention primarily to verse 19 this evening. And I just have a few very simple thoughts for you this evening, just as this morning. There was nothing profound. There was nothing you probably hadn't heard before, but sometimes just to be reminded. This is a verse that many, many, many Christians can quote, but sometimes we become so familiar with it that we forget just what a tremendous promise that it really is. Philippians 4.19 says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, I must admit one thing that is often overlooked in this verse is that people forget the context in which it's being given in. Back up to verse 18. The apostle Paul said, but I have all and abound. I am full having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet-smelling, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. You see, what he's really saying to the church at Philippi, God has used you. And he's just got through expounding it. God has used you wonderfully to meet my needs. You've given out of your poverty. You've given sacrificially. You've given that which maybe you didn't really have to give. God has used you to meet my need. But I want you to know something. You may not have had to give what you gave to do what you've done for me, but my God. He said, maybe all I can say to you is thank you. Maybe I'll never even impress upon you. You know what a, a blessing it's been to me. But he said, I know one thing. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory, by Christ Jesus. These people obviously loved the Lord. They obviously were a giving people. They obviously were concerned about the needs of others. But the Apostle Paul wanted to encourage them that though you may not have a lot, though in the world's eyes it may not seem to be much, yet you've had compassion and care for me. I want you to know something. You're not going to be in need. You're not going to have to want, even though that you've given what you didn't have to me. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. I remember reading a little story 
about a farmer. He had a weather vane on his barn. And on that weather vane, you know, they just kind of move whichever way the wind's blowing. And right across that weather vane, he had the words, God is love. Friends sometimes would ask the farmer, why in the world did you write God is love on a window vane up there? He said, that's to remind me that no matter which way the wind blows, God still loves. He said, when the warm south wind with its soothing and balmy breezes brings showers of blessing, God is love. Because the Bible says in James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. He said, when the cold north wind of trial and testing sweeps down upon you, God is love. Because Romans 8, 28 says that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. He said, when the west wind blows, it blows hard upon you with this punishing intent. God is love. Hebrews 12 says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Just when the east wind threatens to sweep away all that you have, God is love because Philippians 4.19 says, God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, sometimes, sometimes you might get discouraged, downhearted. When those times come, no matter what wind happens to be blowing, God still cares. God is still love. God still loves you. And you can rest assured on this, that whatever it is, whatever it is that you're experiencing in life, good or bad, if God hasn't sent it directly, God has allowed it for a reason. Folks, he's in control. We can't see it all. It's there for a reason. One writer said, no affliction would trouble us if we knew God's reason for permitting it. It wouldn't trouble us anything that God did if we knew why he was doing it. You see, this same God, this promise that's given here in the Word of God, that's a promise to you today that my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. I want you to know why I can have confidence in that, first of all, is because it says, but my God, my God. I mean, this is personal. When the Apostle Paul is writing this, it's personal to him. It is God that is the source of this promise. The promise is not being made. I mean, we can... And we can get all kinds of promises in this world made by all kinds of people for all kinds of reasons. Some of those promises will be fulfilled. But I'll guarantee you that somewhere along the line, some of them won't be fulfilled. Many times it's because they can't. It might be because they forget. It might be that though they've got the best intentions in the world, something just comes along and hinders it. But as we think of this promise this evening, all of our needs being met, we need to realize the source of that promise. 
It's not just by anybody else. It's not just simply anybody's word. This is God. This is the source. The one that can provide all that's needed in your life, whatever that it might be. But of course, the Apostle Paul could only have that confidence. And we began there this morning, and I'll begin there again this evening, and probably begin there for the rest of my life. If he's not your God, this promise is of no value whatsoever. The Apostle Paul could have the confidence of knowing that even those people in this church that had given so sacrificially of themselves to meet his need, he had absolute confidence that they were, they were giving out of poverty, they were giving sacrificially, that his God would meet every need that they had because he knew the source. It was his God. This evening, do you know that for sure? Is it just God out there somewhere? Or can you know with certainty, as I ask you this morning, that it's my God we're talking about? It's not just your God. It's not their God. It's not just those Christians' God. But he is my God. And do you know who my God, my, my personal God is? He's the very one that created everything from nothing in the beginning in the first place. He's the very one that holds it all together. He's the very cause and effect of everything that you see that makes this world up. And I can promise you this. He's the same God that's promised us that one day just as we chose sin, allowed that sin to come in and put a curse upon this world and all that's there. One day, all that's going to be done away with. It'll be like he made it in the beginning, without the curse, without the sin. My God, he's the source of all of this. But notice that it's, sure, not only because that of the source of it being God himself, but notice the surety of this promise. He says, my God shall supply. Folks, that's not hard English. You don't have to go back and Dig deep into the Greek to understand what it means. My God shall supply. That's not hard to understand. The surety that we have is because it's God himself, the source of it, that is going to do the providing, and he shall. There is no question mark here. There is nothing about it that would tend to be a maybe or a possibility, but it's a shall. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9 it says, know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with him that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He doesn't change. You see, that's uh, God giving you a description of himself. He is faithful the faithful God, when he makes a covenant with a person, it can't be undone. We used to say that's in concrete. It's said in concrete. It's there for good. It's actually better than being in concrete. <laughs> but that was just a saying. He'll keep his promises. The God, the God of love, the God of mercy, the God of 
faithfulness. We've got all of these attributes that we use to describe him. Sometimes they just become a string, and we went through most of these not long ago when we were looking at God in our fundamentals. We find that he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's omnipresent, he's impeccable, immutable, and he's invincible. He's a God. That's my God that shall supply. Notice next. Not only the source being God, the surety of the promise that it's God shall supply. I want you to notice the sufficiency of it. He shall supply. What's the next word in your Bible? Three letters, isn't it? A-L-L. All your need. All of it. You find that C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Business of Heaven, speaking about the God that was making this promise. He says, at first it is natural for a baby to take its mother's milk without knowing its mother. It's equally natural for us to see the man who helps us without seeing Christ behind him. But we must not remain babies. We must go on to recognize the real giver. It's madness not to, because if we do not, we shall be relying on human beings. That's going to let us down. The best of them will make mistakes, and all of them will one day die. We must be thankful to all the people who helped us. We must honor and love them, but never, never pin your whole faith on any human being. You see, We've got to recognize that it is God that is promised to meet all of your needs, all. I read this little story. It says, we had thoroughly enjoyed the meeting in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and the privilege of greeting many friends of the radio Bible class who attended the service that evening. Some dear friends invited us to their home after the meeting for a lunch, but when we got there, it was more like a full-course dinner Now, what a feast we had. As we were eating, one of the hostesses came into the living room to see if we had enough. Upon leaving, she turned around and said, there's more in the kitchen when this gets all. He thought he'd misunderstood her. said, since I come from the Midwest, this Pennsylvania Dutch expression really tickled me. There's more in the kitchen when this gets all. It was just another way of saying When what you have is all gone, there's more where that came from. That was good to know. But how much more wonderful this is in the spiritual realm. How comforting the assurance that no matter how great our need, no matter how heavily we might have already drawn upon heaven's resources, there's more when this gets all. God's love has no measure. God's grace has no limit and God's power is supreme. His wisdom is unbounded and praise his name. His provisions are never exhausted. No wonder the apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus expressing his desire that they might know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge and be conscious of the fact that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according 
the power that worketh in us. Oh, what we might learn to walk in this confidence each day and never worry about tomorrow. Thanking God for his present provision. We should go forward a step at a time knowing that there's more where this, when this gets all. The little poem says, there's more, there's more when this gets all. Assurance blessed, he hears our call. Though sad our way, filled with regret, through his supply, we'll conquer yet. The writer said, our prayers and God's supply. It's like, I mean, I know that many of you will never have experienced what it meant to run a bucket down into the well to get the water at the bottom and to crank it back out again. He said, it's like, you know, when you're cranking one out, the other one's already going down. When you're cranking one out, the other one's going down. You can never, ever, ever exhaust that supply. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Pastor Harold Springstead was driving along on his way to preach. No big name preacher. Matter of fact, it was a little tiny country church that he was going to. Suddenly felt a vibration in the car. Tire had blown out. He was 78 years old at the time, but he managed to maneuver his car to a stop after this tire blew out. Just as he stopped, there was a trucker that pulled up behind him. The young man jumped out and he looked and saw what the problem was and he cheerfully changed the tire for this old preacher. Well, the preacher, the pastor, he was very grateful. And he got to the service and he got there on time, but it wasn't until after he had gone through all this rush and got to the service that he happened to remember something. He'd had a flat tire. Somebody had come along and changed his tire, and he just remembered. He didn't even have a jack in the car. <laughs> he didn't have a jack in the car. How did that guy change his tire? You say, preacher, that's crazy. My Bible teaches me to be careful. You might be entertaining angels unaware sometimes. We're the ones that put all the limitations. I'm not trying to talk hocus-pocus. I'm saying, my God shall supply all your need. Even if it's a country preacher on his way to a little country church where there's just a handful of people that to most people are 78 years old, he's already passed his sell-by date. <laughs> and yet, God was there to meet his need the side of the road. I won't go into all of it this evening. I give you so, so many personal experiences. You know, one of the, I guess, times that our family had to depend on God the most was when we'd first stepped out on the road in full-time evangelism, traveling from church to church, doing deputation work to come to this country. I could share some things that you would think was crazy, just off the wall, that somebody had to make them up, the way that God met our needs. I mean, things that, you know, you, you, you scratch your head and you know that it can't be God. I could tell you about a time when we were in a church and we were so broke. I mean, we went on the road. You know, the job went. There was no money coming in. I only thought I knew what it was to live by faith before that. 
I can remember leaving North Carolina and driving to Mississippi, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, to go to a church down there for a missions conference. Family all loaded up. We've got our travel trailers, we call it, caravan as you call it here. That we hauled along. That was our house. We just pulled it along with us. We did have just enough gas to get to Hattiesburg. And, of course, Hattiesburg was in Mississippi. Our next meeting after that was right down on the south coast, the Gulf Coast, Mississippi. When we got into Hattiesburg, there wasn't any more fuel in that car. We knew, though, that, oh, you know, conference, they'll give us some kind of a love offering, and we'll have the fuel to get to the next one. Well, the church was very good to us. I mean, it was a big church. They had lots of missionaries there, and there were all kinds of things going on. They were very good for us. They cared for our needs. They fed us and all these things. But the day before the conference was coming to an end, the, one of the associate pastors that was in charge of the missions program came up to me and said, Brother Larry, said, I just wanted to let you know that you know, we've had some wonderful love offerings coming this week, and we want to share that with you, but it's going to take us a while to sort all this out. So what we're going to do is instead of trying, there's no way we'll get it sorted for tomorrow, we're just going to send the check on to the mission board and uh, let it go into your normal. And I just smiled. You know, he had no idea that we didn't have a penny in our pocket. I just smiled, and I went on. Inside, I'm thinking, well, Lord, how are you going to do this one? I mean, we know. We know that, you know, that, that tank is almost on empty, and we got a pretty good drive on down to the How are we going to do that, Lord? Well, they also had what was known as a missions closet. And it was just a place where that literally the people in the church would bring in, and there was like clothes and toiletries and essentials and things like that. And they were there for missionary families that came through to try to help minister to the needs some and whatnot. And so we were up there. They'd, they'd, they'd ask us to go, go in and, and, and pick out something. And while we were in there, there was this lady in the church. I mean, you know, she just never met her before, didn't even know her name. Janie and myself and a couple of the, I mean, even our oldest were just little then. But we were in there, and she came up, and she just handed me this envelope. She said, she said, this may sound far-fetched, but she said, God's told me to give this to you. <laughs> and I didn't know what was in it. And when I opened it up, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't $1,000. Matter of fact, it was $25, $25. Well, with fuel prices over there and that long ago, and that was a tank of fuel. <laughs> so we took that $25, we filled it up, and we headed out. Now, this, this lady, you know, God had just laid it up on her heart. Now, God had used a church here to meet Paul's needs. Sometimes God may lay things on our heart. We may not think that we can do them. You need to listen to your heart when God's speaking to you. See, nobody, I mean, nobody knew. I'm not even real sure that I'd told Janie yet that we didn't have the gas to get to the next meeting. I tried not to worry her with a lot of those little details sometimes. But the thing was, it wasn't just that we were out of fuel, folks. I mean, we were running out of food as well. We didn't know what that would come from. Well, that $25 got us to our next meeting. We got there, and we set up our trailer and all this thing, and we were there, and, and we literally, after I put that fuel in, I had, you know, it, it was less than $5 in, in my pocket, and the cupboards were empty. And I can remember that, uh, I can remember thinking that, that that first evening, I went out to the to the supermarket, and of course, at that time, we had four children. Uh, Tyler was there. He was just a, I mean, he was just tiny, tiny. 
Matter of fact, he probably was because this was uh, in those last years in that, in that last caravan. So he, was, he would have still been in his, in his crib and his diapers. So he wouldn't have needed too much to eat, but the others would like something. And I went out with that, with that money, and I went out, and I remember, well, the cheapest thing I could find, you know, at the supermarket to really fill them up on was hot dogs and baked beans, you know. <laughs> and so that's what we got. We fed them that meal, and we didn't know where the next one was coming from because that was it. Later that night, we got a knock on the door. And this had never happened to us before. We got a knock on the door, and I opened the door, and there's some man standing there that I've never seen before in my life. He introduces himself, and he says that, uh, you know, my wife and I are missionaries to Mexico. And we were just in a meeting in a church. He said, we've just noticed the kids out here playing. And he said, he said look, he said, I don't want to offend you in any way. He said, you know, the last church we were in, he said, they gave us a pounding. Not a term that's real familiar over here, but a pounding basically is when everybody in the church brings in food for a specific need. And so all these people in this church had brought in food for this missionary family from Mexico. He said, the only problem is, he said, we got more food than we know what to do with. He said, would it offend you if we shared some of that with you? Now, I'm, folks, nobody. Nobody knew that we didn't have gas. Nobody knew that we didn't have food. We were just trying to be faithful in what God had sent us to do. And God worked through other people's hearts to supply our need. Now, we get that all mixed up with wants and desires and all kinds of things, but I'm saying most of the time God doesn't even have an opportunity in your life to really show you what he can do and what he will do if you'll trust him. We talked about this morning. Well, if you are in God's will, you know where, where he wants you, and that's where you are. And you can go in that might that's not your own, and he will be with you. I'm saying this evening, folks, this is a serious promise in God's word to us. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. Now, if we look at these and we see that, first of all, that the source of this promise being made is God himself, that the surety of the promise is there and that it's a dead set promise. It's God shall supply. We see the sufficiency of it, the sufficiency of it in all you need. Nothing is left out. But my God shall supply all your need. And we see the security behind it. You know, if I go to the bank and I just walk in off the street and I go in and I say, you know, I've got a need. I I need 50,000 pounds really bad. I've got this to do and that to do and what other to do. Well, banks are in the business of loaning money. But you know what they're going to want before they even talk to me about handing me 50,000 pounds? They're going to want some security. They're going to want something to hide it where they know that it'll stand for it. Well, I want you to notice this promise. Now, a promise has been made, but what's the security behind it? My God shall supply all your need 
according to his riches in glory. Not depending upon what's in the bank or not in the bank, not depending upon any human being, according to his riches in glory. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers of bygone years, in his book called Faith's Checkbook, he writes this. He says, Paul's God is our God, and he will supply all our need. Paul felt sure of this in reference to the Philippians, and we feel sure of it as to ourselves. God will do it, for it is like him. He loves us. He delights to bless us, and it will glorify him to do so. His pity, his power, his love, his faithfulness all work together that we be not famished. What a measure doth the Lord go by according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The riches of his grace are large, but what shall we say of the riches of his glory? His riches of glory by Christ Jesus, who shall, from an, who shall form an estimate of this according to this immeasurable measure will God fill up the immense abyss of our necessities. He makes the Lord Jesus the receptacle and the channel of his fullness. And then he imparts to us his wealth of love in its highest form. Hallelujah. The writer knows what is to be tried in the work of the Lord. Fidelity has been recompensed with anger and liberal givers have stopped their subscriptions, but he whom they sought to oppress has not been one penny the poorer. He's speaking of his own personal experience. Nay, rather he has been the richer, for this promise has been true. My God shall supply all our need. God's supplies are surer than any bank. Do you realize that the security behind this promise there is nothing, nobody. You can take the wealthiest men alive. You can take the largest banks this world has. You think, well, you know, okay, they've got plenty to back this promise or that promise. But if you stop and imagine the promise that God has made for you here, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. All the riches of this world behind a promise would not be as sure as that. That's the kind of security. It doesn't matter. We get all worried because this price goes up and that one goes up and the economy's going to pieces and all the other things. And yes, but I'm saying thank God is God's child. We don't have to worry. This promise is still ours. We'd be foolish not to be concerned. But he said, be anxious for nothing. Be careful for nothing. Don't worry. God has promised to meet all of your need according to his riches in glory. Hudson Taylor said this, 
quoting out of his book, Burning Out for God. He says, in matters, it matters little to my servant whether I send him to buy a few cash worth of things or the most expensive articles. In either case, he looks to me for the money and brings me his purchases. So if God should place in me in serious perplexity, must he not give me such guidance in positions of great difficulty, much grace, in circumstances of great pressure and trial, much strength? No fear that his resources will prove unequal to the emergency and his resources are mine for he is mine and is with me and dwells in me. He's saying God's resources can't run out. It's impossible for them to run out. It's impossible for God not to fulfill his promise. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And I can have confidence in that because of the source, which is God himself, because of the surety, because it's God that's promised that it shall be, because of the sufficiency, all your needs, because of the security that is based on the riches of his glory. And I want to give you one final thing. We'll skip over a bunch of this stuff. How can you know that? Because it says, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. You see, we saw the security, but he's the securer. <laughs> he's the one that secured it for you. He's the one that's made it all possible. He's the one that can let it be your God that will meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. It begins with God and it ends with Jesus. It's all in God's hands. Jesus Christ, he's the only pathway. He's the only way that you're going to get it. It comes through him, through Jesus Christ. He's the channel. We find that as we think of him, we read about it. We know him. The truth is, folks, he's never messed up yet. <laughs> he's never made a mistake. He's never forgotten anyone along the way. He is the only begotten Son of the Father. He is your pathway to God the Father, your pathway to your sins being forgiven. We've said before, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's only that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that can get you to God's grace. No other way of getting there. The simple truth is, this evening, this evening, how can you have this confidence? Do we live like we believe this promise? Do we live according to this promise? I've said a while ago, and I repeat again, most of us are so 
blessed, Brother Steve. I mean so blessed. God never gets a chance. He doesn't. We've got it all worked out ourselves. I'll guarantee you, the very poorest of us here this evening, I mean the poorest, would be so rich in comparison to most of this world out there. See, we've got so many resources ourselves. So often, God doesn't get the opportunity. I told people sometimes, I, folks, you can only be saved by faith. And you can only please God by living by faith. And I think most of us have a measure of it, but most of us don't want to get in the places where we really have to test it. We don't want to go there. We don't want to go there. Well, Steve, my heart was with God. I said many times, you know, I always, I mean, I had faith in God and I walked with God and at the same time, when we went into full-time ministry, I know when I was giving that job up, I knew we were going to step out by faith. But I was just helping God out by having a few thousand in the bank just in case we needed it, you know. <laughs> Within the first three months of being on the road, we'd blown engines and I don't, even, I don't even know how that money could go so fast. Those thousands that were in the bank went to nothing. Why? Not because I'd done something bad but because God had some things to teach us. Yes, he blessed us, but he wanted to show us we could depend on him every mile, every step of the way. And so many times he doesn't get that opportunity because we are so blessed that we never really have to fully depend on him. Folks, most of the world can't know what these promises are and I said in the beginning, and I say in the end, I know some of you have gone through some real struggles, valleys, decisions to make, some troubled waters lately. God's still God. Jesus Christ doesn't love you any less. <laughs> you can you cannot just know this. Most you know, it's one of the verses. But it's nice and short, so it doesn't take much to memorize it, you know. Some of those are really long ones and hard ones, but that's an easy one to remember. And it sounds so great. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I've said it enough times tonight that most of you should be able to say it now if you couldn't say it before. And if you couldn't, you ought to learn it real quick because, man, what a wonderful promise it is. Don't try to do it yourself. He was talking to people <laughs> that already given their resources, but he had confidence that God was going to meet theirs. Theirs were limited that they had met his needs with. Boy, his gods weren't limited. He would supply all of their needs according to his riches and glory. But it can only come by Christ Jesus. Simple question. Do you know that Jesus I'm talking about this evening? I mean with certainty, do you know him? If you don't, you need to. This promise can mean nothing. None of the rest of them can mean anything. It's by Jesus Christ. But you can know him this evening. Christian, 
You've been anxious and worried. You've been going through some troubled waters and struggling with it. This promise is for you. God is there for you. If you've got Jesus, you've got this promise, and he can't fail you. But you've got to trust him, and you've got to give him a chance to work in your life. We said this morning, well, if you find out anything in this year, you need to find out where God wants you, not where you want to be, where you don't want to be, what might be or the possibilities. You see, it was God that sent Gideon out. Gideon started with 32,000, wasn't it? By the time he got there, he only had 300 left. God did more with that 300. He was already well outnumbered when he had the 32,000. But Gideon, you're going with me. See, if you've got God, then it doesn't matter what the forces come against you. Through Jesus Christ, I don't care what your need is. I don't care how deep that valley might seem. I don't care what that struggle might be. This promise is yours. And he cannot fail you. But you're going to have to trust him. You won't get anywhere without that faith. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. He will do it. This promise is for you if you'll accept it and truly live by it instead of just memorizing it and knowing it and not putting it into practice. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, a simple promise that you've made to us in your Scripture, but, Father, such a boundless promise. And, Lord, I know here this evening that you know the needs of everyone that is here. Lord, those needs might be spiritual. Lord, those spiritual needs can only be met through Jesus Christ. And, Father, those spiritual needs need to be dealt with. But, Father, it may be something more practical in this world, more physical. Lord, you didn't stipulate. You said, all your needs. So I pray, Lord, that you'd work in the hearts of these here this evening, but I also pray, Lord, that if there are those here that, Lord, they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ for saving their souls. They never have. They know all the words and the terminology but they've just never humbled themselves with the faith to really believe that you'd take away their sins and accept them into your family. I pray, Lord, that you would deal with their hearts this evening. And, Lord, I know, Lord, I know so many, Lord, that are even here this evening that have been going through some of those needful times, troubled times, Lord, you've already, you've already given the answer. It's right there. Lord, as we've looked at these simple thoughts this morning and this evening, I pray that you would speak to the hearts, that you would challenge, that you'd encourage, that you'd strengthen, that you'd build up. Help us not just to settle for the okay and the mediocre. Help us to truly, genuinely give ourselves to you, trust you, believe you, let you do with our lives what you want to because that's the only thing that's going to matter for eternity. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.